Hey guys, welcome to episode 6 featuring John Scott. By my side, I have Logan Sype. Logan's going to get you started. How are you guys doing today? We got some intense playoff action going on. We got a couple of hits and... Lots of dirty hits and lots of um, playoff hockey to discuss. Lots of OHL talk. Uh, London, sweet Caroline, bye-bye. We'd love to see it. And yeah, we just got a lot to talk about hockey. And we took last week off just because we wanted to have a little break, but we all wanted to come back with a bang. So John Scott interview, it's going to be in a little bit. All right, so let's talk about uh, Spurgeon from the Wild. Not suspended for the cross-check there to the back of Bujnevovic's leg. You got to do something about that. Yeah, so that was like a, like, I, I don't know who it was, but somebody didn't get suspended for something like a few weeks ago or maybe that last week. Anyways, Spurgeon literally took a cross-check straight to his leg, and that's literally like, that should be at least like five games automatically. Yeah, that's like the most important part on a player's is knees, and then you just let him take a hit like that with un- pretty much unprotected. Yeah, and he could have broken his leg or something, or ankle. Torn like, ACL. I don't like, know how you get away with that, and that's just uh, unfortunate and a bad look in the league. And then but, you got Kyle Clifford suspended the one game for that boarding call. Which is respectable. It, was, it, was a, it wasn't a hockey hit, but it was like a uh, fast-paced moving type of thing still dirty but one game he wasn't absolutely yeah i mean he's lucky it was only one game because it wasn't intentional by any, i mean it was playoff hockey yeah and playoff hockey is going to be rough they're going to let they're going to let stuff go but that that uh spurgeon on boots nebbish thing i can't let go I was talking about letting stuff go i just have to say there was not a penalty called in the triple overtimes there was not a penalty called since the third minute in the since the third period, the 10-minute mark, there was no penalty calls. We'll get on that game here in a little bit, but I had to point that out. we got to discuss that Tampa Bay and Toronto line brawl in game one. Uh, Wayne Simmons with a, with a beautiful hit, and uh, Patty Maroon and Corey Perry both try to fight him. Simmons skates away laughing around the whole damn ring, and then a brawl starts. Morgan Riley gets bloodied up. Did you even see that play? No, I didn't see Riley get bloodied up there. Yeah, so there was like a, just a big brawl, and there, I think there was a couple fines handed, and Cliff got suspended in that game as well but that was a that was a heated game one Toronto was buzzing and Toronto was just crazy their crowd was crazy outside Jurassic Park number two like it was it was wild and you know when a team has you down 3-0 and 4-0 and emotions are high and you know they're trying to go back to back to back uh, that's hard and Toronto's trying to make it out of the first round for the first time since who knows when so you know emotions are going to be high in that series but uh you know, good shout-out to Maroon and Perry for trying to step in on the big hit. I mean, it was a good hit, but it was still a big hit. So I think I think they did what they had to do. I think it's funny that Simmons pretty much laughed in their face, but I think you're going to see one of them go by the end of the series. Oh, yeah, and it's going to be a it's gonna be a brutal series. It's tied up one-to-one right now. Matthews and Munner are both buzzing for Toronto. And then, uh, obviously, Tampa responds with a 5-3 win in Game 2. So it's going to be a back-to-back series. I, I would say, like, six, seven games is reasonable for the two top teams in the league right now. And um, I don't know. Who do you have winning this series, Logan? I'm going to have to go with Toronto. I think they finally make it out. They got uh, Marner, Matthews. They all got more experience. I don't think Tampa has what it takes, to be honest. And Toronto's buzzing, and I think they finally get past the first round. My prediction is Toronto in six. So um, I'm pulling for the Canadian team. Uh, I, I want them to go far, but I don't think they'll make it past the second round, unfortunately. 
maybe the first. But on to another topic. Philadelphia fires Mike Yeo after a 17-36-7 start job. Uh, Chris Knobloch should have been head coach. Should have been head should coach. Should have been head coach down. when he was there. Um, yeah, he was assistant, and I think he ran a power play for a little bit. But I don't know. They've been having coaching struggles for a little bit, and I think Knobloch would have been that key guy because, he what, four 50-win seasons? In and, the OHL with 62 the, games. I mean, he had over an 80-win percentage. Granted, he had some good talent and whatnot, but he just had a different kind of playing style, a different kind of format that a lot of teams haven't seen. And, you know, I kind of wish he would have been given a little more responsibility in Philadelphia. I think he could have helped the team a little bit. Not saying they would have been a Stanley Cup team by any means, but they would have been a pretty solid team, in my opinion. Me too, and you saw it when he was in juniors. Like, the players loved him, the fans loved him. Like, he's just a lovable coach, and I think he would have been a good fit in Philly. And obviously, Mike Yeo wasn't a fit. That's a horrible record as a coach, and hopefully they find somebody to replace him. Yeah, and, you know, a big thing, too, Knobloch, great guy on the ice, but he treated those guys even better in the locker room. Uh, he was probably most respected coach in the OHL that year, those years he was here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. He's in the AHL, I think, with Hartford. Hartford, yep. Pretty yep. sure. So uh, good for him. I hope he gets an NHL job soon. Maybe the Devils can call him up there you after go. Lindy Ruff. I would love that. Like, the Devils, he's used to like, coaching these young guys, like, obviously, so I think he'd be a good fit for the Devils. And the Devils just released uh, Mark Recchi as well as your other assistant coach there. So there's a couple of jobs open up behind the bench there. Hey, so. I would, oh, my God, I would love that. Like, the D young Devils team needs a coach like that. Moving on, the Hurricanes, 5-1 winner of the Bruins in Game 1. 12 different Hurricanes had points. And then Game 2, the Carolina Hurricanes won 5-2, and they lead the series 2-0. Do you think Carolina will be fine without Rantham now? He's hurt. Anderson's hurt. What the hell is going on? And they're still leading 2-0. You know, I think they're really they're deep, they're deep when it comes to the goaltending position. Um, obviously, you know, you don't want a guy getting his first NHL start in the first round of the playoffs. But, you know, when you're kind of up 2-0, that kind of does give you a little bit of an advantage in that situation. Um, you know, these guys train all year, and I think he's going to step in. And I think uh, whoever they call up next knows what shoes he has to fill. And hopefully they can get back, you know, Ranta or... Anderson here pretty soon, but you know, um, hopefully their backup can or their third string can come in, and it's not un it's not unheard of. I mean, we've seen it multiple times in playoffs, and you know, hopefully their guys they're calling up can do the job. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think Boston's gonna win a game or two in this series, but the oh, way yeah. the way it's going, it it's looking like Carolina, obviously, but I can also see Boston tying it up at home. Yeah, I was, TD say, I was gonna say. Remember, Carolina was home. Um, I don't know. I think I think that game's that series is gonna go seven, um, and I I see Carolina coming out on top. Yeah, I actually have Boston in seven for this one, so it's gonna be an uh, interesting series. And if I think if Rantz or Anderson comes back early, that series is gonna be done quick, in my opinion. But moving on, the St. Louis Blues defeat the Wild four nothing in Game One. David Perron three or three goals, four points. That's crazy, but. In game two, the Wild ties it up one-to-one. -one. Flurry had a bad game one. Like, we can admit that. Oh, it's, it's playoff Flurry, buddy. Once he hits the playoffs, it's always kind of been like that. And before game two, um, I think Flurry started game two. I'm not too sure. But before game two, I was like, do they switch to Talbot after that game? Or do they let him ride out another game, see what happens? Obviously, it's tied up now. But what's your opinion on the Talbot and Flurry? Uh, I'm running Talbot in the playoffs. Um, Flurry's shown, you know, time and time again. You kind of want to have him on the back burner because he kind of plays better 
when he's fighting for that starting job, you know, and uh, you hate to see you hate to see Talbot carry that team so far through the season and then them kind of switch over to Flurry as their number one guy unless Talbot had, you know, some tightness or an injury or something bothering him. You know, that should be Talbot's spot all day long. Yeah, I do agree with that a little bit, but like I said in like previous podcasts, you don't spend a first round pick on somebody you're, you're going to have a backup. backup. Yeah, so, no, that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I don't see Flurry staying there after this year or whenever his contract's done. I think he's done in Minnesota. So End of the year then, and then Talbot will have his spot back. And he says he wants to play another year, so we'll see where he ends up. One other thing I wanted to touch base on was David Perron. Always been a beast in uh, in the playoffs. He was big for the Penguins. Um, he was a great player. The guy's curve on his stick is unreal. Um, I had one one time, and it looked like he heated it up, put it under the doorway, and just fucking bent the thing. It was it was nasty. Whatever works for playoffs. Like I've heard some uh, crazy superstitions, and uh, half of the time it works. It's just a mental game in playoffs, mental game in hockey. So uh, moving on, L.A. Kings game one, four three win over the Oilers. Three points for Trevor Moore. He's been under he's been under the radar this year. He's um, I didn't even know who he was until like this year. So he's doing something. Uh, Jonathan Quick played like his old self for game one, thirty five. 39 saves but McDavid's gross goal splits four people how the hell what superpowers does this dude eat I just have sorry he's eating his Wheaties I can tell you that because man he came down the ice just barreling and he just made them all he dummied them he that's like he makes it look so easy, and that's not. E- I can't even do that in beer league, let alone this dude's doing it in <laughs> NHL and like putting four players plus their goalies jock straps to the ceiling. It's just unreal. I've never saw anything like this, like a player like McDavid no, in this high speed of a game. Yeah, and the thing is, it doesn't even look like he's skating hard. No. It literally just looks like he's out there gliding around. Like, it's just unreal. Um, props to him for being able to do that, and I'm excited to see what else we're going to see come from that. And then game two, the Oilers tie it up. The series is 1-1 one to one now. Um, great games, but the Oilers in 5-6, and six, that's my prediction. Like, it's either going to be five games or six games, and Edmonton is hot, and... Uh, I talk shit on them. We talk shit on them. A lot. A lot. And this last month, this last 10-game stretch, they proved to me that they're they're in my cup final. And that's a crazy, crazy thought. But my cup final right now is Florida and Edmonton with Florida winning the cup. Wow. Uh, I hope that's not in your bracket, buddy, because I wanted you to have a chance at winning. It's my bracket. Uh, Uh, McDavid's going to have his first shot at the Stanley Cup and fall short. All right. Um... All right. I mean, he has four Art Rosses. I think it's time to add a ring, but I don't think they have the team this year. Um, I, I do have him coming out of the first round. I got him winning in six or seven. Um, but going then you're going to get the Battle of Alberta. If if this happens, uh, uh, they have no chance against Calgary. Oh, my God. Come on, man. Not a chance. Come Not on. a chance. That is a bad take. Uh, flames are good. Flames are good, obviously, but, like, this, that's going to be a sick series. Flames have been solid all year. Edmonton just pulled their head out of their ass about a month ago. I don't think they can with, withstand it, and I think Calgary comes out on top in six. Uh, I don't know. I, don't, I, I would say it's going to be a six- or seven-game series going either way, but uh, in my heart, Edmonton's going to steal that series. And when you have the best player in the world, best two players in the world, but... If you don't have the goalie. Yeah, the goalie's playing hot. Who is it, Mike Smith, I think? Yeah, he's, right. he's hot. He's hot right now, but he does have, like, 
like a track record of giving up. But um, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk, and the boys are going to be buzzing. So um, that's the series I want to see in the second round. And moving on to that series, actually. So Calgary has a one nothing win over Dallas in Game 1. Defensive-ass game. Um, I don't know what was happening, but like both teams are on defensive mode. And Lindstrom had the lonely goal. Markstrom shut out. Uh, Markstrom's unreal. So what's your series prediction for the Flames and Dallas? That's, that's a quick one. Flames in four or five. Four. I have it in five on my bracket. I don't see a sweep there. But, hey, you know, anything's possible. You know, all the talent they have out there. And, you know, getting some defensive scoring is going to help them. That's going to be the key. See, yeah, that series is going to be interesting. Um, just because if it's going to be a defensive-ass series, it could go either way. I, I, you're so, going to see it ramp up. Uh, you know, neither team wants to play defensive. It's not comfortable playing with the one-goal lead. Um, they're just kind of feeling each other out and seeing what they can get away with, and I think they come out game two and game three, just a whole different game. Yeah, uh, I agree with that, but I think Dallas is going to steal, or not steal, but win their first home game. And then I, my prediction is Calgary in five, so I agree with you, but if Dallas, Dallas is a team that can like, turn on a switch, in like seconds, so that's why I'm like it could go to six, but flames right now, go up two nothing. Flames have that series in the bag. Oh yeah, easily, and I think I think they are gonna go up two nothing, but I think Dallas is gonna be like a strong home team. Oh yeah, and. If they lose one at home, it's it's done. It's done. This is how playoffs work usually, but Dallas doesn't have and what it takes to finish Calgary. And that's not a short trip either. I mean, those guys are flying from Calgary to Dallas. I mean, that's not an hour and a half flight. Yeah, and I don't know. It's going to be a, a close-knitted series, like as in goals. Like, you're not going to see any blowouts. Yeah, but I think that Calgary is going to end it early. Unless Dallas ramps it up. But, now, speaking of blowouts, let's uh-huh. move on to the Avalanche killing the Preds 7-2. to two. McCarr, McKinnon, Rantanen all had three points. What do you think on that series, and do you think the Preds are going to be able to even win one? Yeah, I think the Preds are going to be able to win one. Just because, uh, just like Dallas, but Nashville's even crazier at home. Um, Nashville has a good home home fan base, and you know it from the Pittsburgh series. Like You saw it, what it could do to a goaltender, even though you guys won. Yeah. I, it, it's it's a crazy atmosphere. I, plus, I, they won't get swept. I, I don't, they plus, won't get swept. as you mentioned, superstitions before. I wonder how many catfish we're going to see out there at center ice. Yeah, and I think that was just a one-game fluke for uh, Nashville. Uh, that series is going to be a lot closer than you think. And uh, but Colorado's good. Their power play is the best in the league and the best power play I've saw in a while. And in that series, I do have Colorado in six. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that one. Uh, I think uh, you know, like you said, Preds playing at home. I think they're going to get two wins there, and then uh, I think they're going to be able to close it out on the third of the the third home game. I think uh, Colorado takes. Yeah, Nathan McKinnon is like top three in my books players right now. Uh, he has a one of the best releases I've saw on the forehand. He's a fast skilled player and he's just, his shot is just unreal. Uh, unreal. Unreal. Alright, now another thing I wanted to talk about was the big upset in my eyes. Um, Capitals go into Florida and get the 4-2 win. Um, Dom, is that early series jitters or what? Early series jitters because um, Florida is obviously the number one team in the league and uh, it's your first home game, first playoff game in a little while and like I don't know. I I was very shocked. I did not expect them to drop one at home, and it's uh, if they better win tonight, and or they're gonna be fucked. They need to win. You don't want to go down two zero to the Capitals. They're, I mean, 
the Capitals are deep. Nine different Caps had points in the first game. I mean, that's huge. Florida did look a little lost out there. I think uh, they're definitely going to be watching tons of film uh, yesterday would have been. And hopefully they go out tonight and get a win. Yeah. Um, Washington, like, don't forget, they were a Stanley Cup champion team not too long ago. And they have pretty much a lot of the same bodies. Ovechkin. Come on. I mean, He's the great goal scorer of all time. You know, the one thing that really sucks for them um, is having Haglin out. Um, an unfortunate injury he suffered. Um, hopefully his eyesight's doing okay. I actually haven't heard any updates. Uh, that's a big loss. Guy's fast. A guy played hard, finished his hits. If he's in, uh, I I think Washington actually is playing New York if, if he plays that season. Oof. Yeah, uh, that is unfortunate. And then you got he's, Pittsburgh going against Florida. He, a big, he's a big guy. Uh, he's a big, he's a big time player, and he lives for big moments. And it's just unfortunate that he's out. Yeah, Haglin is a good penalty killer too. Oh, good, unreal. Good speedy guy. So I'm praying for his recovery, and uh, we'll move on now. We're gonna move on to the Penn series. What a crazy game one. Uh, the Pens stunned the Rangers four three in triple overtime. Evgeny Malkin with the game winning goal. I know Logan wants to talk oh, right now. Yeah, I'm glad. Glad the two minutes he decided to play was in the third overtime because every time he was out there, I clinched my ass cheeks because he I, he was lazy. And then he got him on a line with Kapanen that hasn't done anything and a rookie Dayton Heinen. Like, absolutely terrible. I'm fortunate enough we came out on top. It was his line that did it. So, okay, cool. But, man, you talk as a fan, seeing the Kapanen and Malkin out there together was just surreal. Yeah, I want to speak on Kapanen because there was one play. I was watching the whole game besides when it got in the overtime because I had to work. But Kapanen was like, there was one play, Kapanen like, was up against the boards, he had the puck, right? Without even looking. Just, yeah, oh, I know exactly. Yeah. He I passed like, it right to the defense. Yeah. They then had a three on two going back and the other way. And then skated away. Yeah. I was like, how are you going to be in the NHL and be scared of a hit? That's him and Malkin. That's crazy. That's, that's that line See, constantly. The difference between Kapanen and Malkin is Malkin makes it look like decent. Good. Yeah. He makes it look good. But, but, but I, like, Brian Rust? To the center of the slot? Like, why? Is it Brian Rust? Yeah. All right. He had three points. Sorry to switch the topics, but he had three points. He's looking good. Playoff Rust is back. And then... Raquel. See, this is, this is going to be, like, a, a 50-50 for me. I, the initial contact was to the chest, okay? I'm, I'm not going to deny that. He he made shoulder contact with his sternum, but he, the way he was coming at that hit, you know, I would say 50% of that hit went to the head. Um, see, it did. Like, there was little contact to the head, but here's, here's, here's my take on it. Uh, and people were saying he, was, he left his feet too, which I'll explain that in a second. If you're going to go in for a hit... And you, two people make impact. That's gonna cause one person to go up sometimes. Yeah. And that, so that's why I like. It's not really. He didn't jump into him. So that's out of the picture. But I think it was an unnecessary hit. No, it's playoff hockey. Necessary. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's unnecessary. You just give him a little bump. Like he already a little late. But it's not. A, it's not a major. No, no, it shouldn't have been a major, and and I agree. Then it shouldn't really have been called at all. The initial contact was to the chest. The rule states initial contact cannot be to the head. Does yeah. not say you can't follow through and make contact with the head. The initial contact was to the chest. Unfortunately, came up, got him in the head, 
Uh, there's nothing you can do about it. And then he made – it was a clean hit to start. It was just unfortunate the way it ended. Did, is he okay? Is no, he, he's fucked, dude. So he's out for a while? I would assume so. Ooh, uh, he he went – he didn't even defend himself when he went down. He had to be out. That's going to be a huge loss if I, you guys I said allow that, him. Yeah, we needed to keep him healthy. And with trading away Zach Ash and Reese, we don't even have that body to fill in. But it would be exciting to see Drew O'Connor get called up. And, you know, uh, he surprised me in the preseason. Let's see if that will translate to the postseason. Igor Shosturkin, is that his name? Yeah. Whatever. Igor. I, Igor Shosturkin, 79 saves on 83 shots. That's fucking crazy. That's unreal. That save percentage is just unreal. And, you know, I'm I'm not shocked by any means that he was able to do that. That's not Igor? Uh, I think possible. think after that game. I mean, when anytime you have a 951 save percentage in a game and you come out on the bottom... That's just unfortunate. And then Louis Domingue eating spicy chicken. Sam, oh my God, eating spicy chicken and broccoli between a first and second overtime. What's your I, thoughts on that? You know, I mean, everybody in his position probably would have did the same thing. You don't expect your keeper to go out after he's already played four periods and getting ready for the fifth. You don't expect the games to go that long. And, you know, he was just minding his own business, sitting down in the corner. And I actually watched his interview. He thought the refs were actually messing with him. They came down there like, come on, get your stuff, buddy. Like, you're going in. And he was like, no, nah, like, come on, quit fucking with me. And they were like, no, like, come on, DeSmith is coming out. You're coming in because they don't sit on the bench in New York. They sit down in the corner. And I don't know. I just I'm impressed he was able to come in after eating spicy chicken and broccoli and make 17 saves on 17 shots. And ultimately, I think that kind of gave us an advantage having somebody fresh in net because the goal that went in, Igor would probably normally be squared up to that. I'm yeah. not saying he's making the save, but he would have been squared up, no doubt. Do you think Pittsburgh deserved to win that game? No. Absolutely not. Um, you know, they played great in the second and third, but to let New York come out and walk all over us in the first 10 minutes, DeSmith kept us in that game. Um, not most goalies are going to be able to go out there and make the four or five big saves that he did in the first period. Yeah, he looked really good in that whole game. That game could have went. Either way. And the thing with that is, uh, I don't know, I don't think P- Pittsburgh got a horrible first. Um, everybody saw that. New York was bodying them. Uh, New York came out strong, and their fans were wild, and I thought Pittsburgh was done. Then the, a new Pittsburgh team came out in the second and third and surprised me. Their power play was good. Uh, well, uh, one for four. I would have liked to get another one. But. I know, but they were still good movement, yeah. and any movement in playoffs is huge. But, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. But giving up that shorthanded goal, that was a killer. Um, that was anytime you give up a shorthanded goal. And if we don't give up that shorthanded goal, that game doesn't even go into one overtime. Now, Dom, on a fatigue factor here, I mean, what do you think? I mean, obviously it sucks losing a game, but when you lose a game in triple overtime, does that just carry a new weight? Yeah, um, players are going to be tired, but I think it also has a, a little advantage because you got the rest up and you played extra hockey against a playoff team, so you know what they're going to do. Like You know more plays now. So I think it's going to be an advantage for both teams. And um, I don't know, it's going to be uh, interesting to see if New York doesn't win this game as we speak, like this game's today. If they don't win that game, then um, they're in trouble going to Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh, not not a sweep by no means. I'm going to stick to my pens in six. Um, if we don't win in six, we're not winning the series. That's all there is to it. My take is Pittsburgh in seven. Um, that game... That game they won yesterday just proves my point. They could win in, win at New York. So Pittsburgh and seven is my prediction. Did you see the meme going around? 
Lundquist, no, Lundquist was in the Oh my there. god, yeah. And they said he was the e-bug for the night. Dude, that'd be like a ill e-bug. I feel like that. I feel like if he got thrown in for Pittsburgh, I feel like he just like just sit behind the net. Like he he hates Pittsburgh. Yeah, it was uh, crazy seeing him there, but uh, zero cups, guys. So oh, Marty Brodeur is the goat. Speaking so. of e-bug, I have to point this out. Uh, Penguins at uh, morning skate today. They were practicing with um, Deming and the e-bug. He was on ice for practice. So he's gonna be there in New York, uh, just in case. He's gonna be there. Uh oh, that's gonna be interesting. But moving on to our buddy, uh, he called it quits. He finally uh, he did he come it, out? And- yeah, he called it quits. At least it, it's it's definitely it looks like he's done. But if he's not, we'll be back next year. Fort Wayne Commons unfortunately dropped Game Seven. Overtime. Uh, it's it sucks. It was overtime hard fought series, and uh, I didn't think Wheeling. Um, was that good? But maybe they sat players when we were there. Maybe I mean I don't, they I don't won know. five nothing. We but, don't follow the ECHL enough to know that, but um, yeah, it's really unfortunate. Um, after seeing his uh, Facebook post, uh, I I think it's the end for him. And I'm just fortunate enough we got to see him in person one last time. Yeah, seeing him uh, when I was a little kid and seeing him when I'm a grown ass adult, it's uh, kind of touching. So uh, hell of a career, Sid, and we wish you the best. But moving on. If anybody has events or sponsorships they want to talk to Drop the Gloves about, you can email us at dropthegloveclothingoutlook.com or you can hit us on hit us up on social media, Drop the Gloves Clothing on Instagram. Uh, you can find us easily. And then uh, our website is... DropTheGlovesHockey.com. Uh, check it out. We got some new apparel coming in. Uh, we actually, when you'll be hearing this, we'll already have it at the house. So uh, whenever, you know, check out the website, get your playoff gear in. Um, it's going to be a wild ride for sure. We have a very special guest in the house. We have former NHL All-Star, John Scott. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, you guys. No problem. It's a pleasure to have such a beauty of a hockey player on this podcast. Well, that's kind of you to say. Thank you. No problem. All right. We'll start off with your 240 penalty minutes in the NAW, 53 games played. Take us back through that, and, like, how did you get so many damn penalties? You know, I was I was new. I wanted to kind of stake my claim in the league, and we were, everybody was going for scholarships back then, so I... I don't know. I, I, I didn't say no to a fight, that's for sure. I think every, everybody who asked me, I would say yes. And I, 53 games, I probably fought 40 to 50 times. Like There was a lot of fights going down, and you rack up the pins that way. So it was, uh, it was a fun time playing in, uh, for the Chicago Freeze. There, there was a lot of fights going on. It was, it was a good year. I was going to say the null back then, man. It was like pretty much just step off the bench and pick who you wanted pretty much, right? Yeah, the te- we played the Texas Tornado, and they must have had five or six legit heavyweights and we would go around every team had tough tough guys and I was still new to fighting I fought a little bit in junior B and Thorough but I was still trying to figure myself out and it worked out well it helped me when I went to because college I didn't fight and those were the years that really kind of got me ready for the AHL and the NHL if I didn't play in Chicago I would have been a terrible I was a bad fighter but I would have been way worse than I was if I hadn't had those uh that kind of season in Chicago to prep me for what I was getting myself into. Now, now you just mentioned, uh, obviously, no fights there in college hockey. Um, How did you still manage 100 penalty minutes? Was that just a lot of roughing calls and going from a game where you could fight to, you know, going to college where you can't? Or You know, it's just like I played a physical style. I, 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 I was, I guess, a little too active with my stick. <laughs> and it just happened because they, they, I only played 30 some games so when you look at it it's like gosh I must have got six penalty minutes a game four minutes a game every game 
And I did. I got a lot of minors, not many 10-minute misconducts. I think I did get one fight in my college career when I fought David Hale, who ended up playing for the Devils. I just beat his doors off. But other than that, it was just all minors, man. Lots of hookings, lots of slashings, lots of roughings, that kind of thing. Scrums after the whistles, they'll give you four, whatever. It, it was all minors. My team's probably hated it. Now, now speaking of the team, did you guys, I mean, obviously, you know, you're young, you're playing college hockey. Uh, you guys have any good stories or parties, or were you guys pretty team-oriented or have a couple nights out, or how, how was that? Well, that's the thing, team-oriented. You, you have to get together and in college. The big party nights in college are Friday and Thursday, but because we played hockey, ours weren't Thursday and Friday. They were Saturday and Sunday, usually, just because we would practice all week and we'd have Saturday nights to tear it up, and then we'd go on Saturday. So we were pretty much on our own for the most part. But, yeah, we you know, we had the hockey house where you'd down a couple drinks and you'd go out, but there was no good frat parties. You know, if you really wanted to go to a party, you'd have to go out on a Wednesday, and we would because we weren't that good of a team. We knew we were going to get beat when we go in Minnesota, Wisconsin, or those teams. So we would go out. It was fun. One story was funny. We had... Um, Team Italy, their national team, came in and was doing like a tour. And Team Italy, I, I didn't even know they had a hockey team. So they came into town, they played us, and I think we tied them or something. They were grown men. And the game got physical. One guy low bridged me and tried to like do a hip check and you know, the really dirty play. And I was like, what are we doing here? Got in a little scrum during the game. We ended up seeing them. Houghton, Michigan, the small town. We saw them downtown after that. Oh, man. And we beat the piss out of these guys from Italy up and down Main Street, and it was just a bloodbath. These Italian guys thought they were tough. They came over and just full of machismo and this and that. My wife's Italian, so I'm allowed to say that. But, <laughs> oh, man. Like, it was just, they, they messed with some Western Canadian boys, and we had just been coming off. Like, it was probably one thirty in the morning, and we were just like, let's go. And we just destroyed them. It was great. You get any, like, you guys get any trouble with that, or how'd that happen? No, how'd you that know, go? Our, our, um, our equipment guy was the sheriff in town. Oh, man. We we kind of, I guess, got a pass for the most part. You know, you'd get, you'd get caught driving to a party, and there'd be a beer in your backseat. Because you have, a, you have one, a one on the way, and you'd get pulled over. and like, come on, boys, take it easy. You know, you let us go and stuff like that. So we, we managed, for the most part, to get out of most. Issues. I had a little bit of issue my senior year, but that's a that was a completely different ball of wax. Yeah, I mean, well, at least you guys were fortunate enough to have that kind of in your back pocket with the equipment manager being the sheriff there. I mean, it definitely helped. It, it probably maybe hurt in ways where we thought we were invincible and we did a few things that we should. Like we would see a, an officer at the gas station and we would just jump in the back seat of his car and say, "Take us to the party." You know, <laughs> It would, uh, sometimes maybe we went a little bit too far, but it was a small college town. And the, the world was a lot different back then, too. Like, that was more acceptable than it would be today. Well, gosh, now the police are getting worried we'll get shot and killed every step, so they'd be a little bit more on edge. And cell phones everywhere. Like, I didn't even have a cell phone. You know, I think I got one my sophomore year, and it, it didn't have a camera. It didn't have anything. So, yeah, it was completely different back then all right oh well, let's move on here let's go uh 2008 2009 uh you get your first action in the nhl with the wild you had one point in 20 games only 21 penalty minutes uh were you expecting to crack an nhl lineup at any point well yeah you know i had done two camps with the wild and i had done pretty well that year they had to send me down just because they had too many one-way contracts for defensemen 
And the GM at the time, he sat me down, it was Doug Reisbrower, he said, we would love to keep you, but the way the contract shaked out, it just doesn't make sense for us to keep you as a seventh defenseman. So I went down, and I knew I was going to get a chance that year, I just didn't know when, and there was an injury, and I got a chance to jump up there, and I, I made a good impression, and I stuck the rest of the year. I think I got called up around just after Christmas, and I managed to play out the rest of the season there, and it was a good year. I didn't have to fight, which was great, because they had Derek Bugard. He kind of took most of the heavy lifting my first year there, and that allowed me just to just to play hockey. I was playing defense at the time, and I just got to focus on my game. They had Jocko Mayer. He made it super easy, and we had a good team. I think we missed the playoffs by one point, which was, uh, you know, it was tough, but it was good. We had a lot of good vets. Andrew Burnett, who's the coach of the Panthers now, Olin Nolan, Miku Koivu. We had a good good team, but uh, it was it was a good introduction to the NHL. So you said you started off uh, as a defenseman, or did you like switch back and forth through your career? No, though my first, I want to say my first three or four years, I was predominantly defense. My first two years in Minnesota were defense. Then I think I went to Chicago and I started defense, and that's where I switched. Where they had a lot of injuries up front in Chicago, and we were tight against the cap, and so they didn't know what to do. And then they just threw me on forward, and I started fighting. And I started doing pretty well. And they're like, well, we're going to use you back and forth. And mostly I played forward with Chicago. But, I, you know, there were some games where I would play defense one period, forward the next, defense the next, and we just would bounce back and forth wherever they needed me to go. Was that ever frustrating, like, to bounce back and forth, or are you just happy to play? Well, you're always happy, but then there's always the what-ifs, right? It's like, well, if I would have maybe focused on defense a little more, maybe I would have gotten a better contract, maybe played a little longer, maybe had a better deal here or there, but you, you can never, it's always hindsight's twenty twenty. you always second guess yourself, but yeah, you know, even, I think when I retired, I was like, gosh, you look at taller defensemen who had stuck around, and they weren't tough, but they were just big, you know, solid defensemen who played 10 minutes a game, it's like, I could have done that, but I just started the fight, and I was a pretty, pretty good fighter for the most part, and I think coaches just pigeonholed me as a tough guy, and that's, it was fine, you know, I had a good eight, nine year career, but who knows, right? If I would have stuck on defense, I could have been a could have been a Zdeno Chara. <laughs> Twenty years in the league. I mean, you had the height, right? I was definitely tall. I was tough for the Chara too. I always asked him to fight. He always turned me down. Really? He wouldn't give you one? No. Oh. When I played Boston, they had Thorny, they had Luch, and then they had Chara. So I had to go through those two guys to get to him. And I, I knocked out Thorts one year. And those two guys got really gun shy the rest of my career versus them. They would never, ever drop the gloves with me. Wow. Yeah, Char liked the grapper like the small guys. He's got the worst fights. If you watch his fights, you're so boring. He just he just throws one punch and falls down. I talked to George Larock about this. And he's like, Yeah, Char was terrified. He would throw one punch and fall down and he would try to grab you and drag you down because he did fight Georgie when he was younger. And George said he's just, he's so scared, but he was so strong, he would just grab you and throw you down. He's just the boringest fighter to watch. He's still like that. He's and and he had fighter. that, he had that, like, arm, like, I mean, he was, what is he, 6'9", six, 6'10"? Six, I mean, yeah, he's a little taller nine. than you. So he had that reach on these guys that are, you know, six foot six two. So, like you said, he'd just hold them off, throw that one punch, and then just throw you down. Well, even he fights like a Pat Maroon, and he doesn't kill Maroon. Like, come on, man. Like, he, I think he's a little gun shy where he doesn't want to get hit, so he doesn't expose himself a little bit. Whereas I, I didn't care if I got hit as long as I got one. So I would fight guys all the time, like Georgie, and I would fight Carpner and all these guys. And it's like, you can, like, I'll take one. And that, that's why I got knocked out by Justin Johnson or knocked out. I was like, I'm going to try to knock you out as best as I can. If that means I eat one or two or three, that's fine. 
Yeah, but so like, I, I want to try to hit you, and I'm not going to play defense. I, that's why fighting today is so boring because most guys are so nervous about getting hit. It's just painful to watch. Speaking of getting knocked down, um, Buddy was he was a little short. I remember that punch. So explain. Oh, yeah, no, he was like five foot six. Explain that and, moment. What what was going on through your head? Were you like, oh, I'm fucked here, or how'd that go? Well, you know, it was the last game of the season, and I wasn't mentally there. I was already checked out. Before the game, he came up, and he's like, Johnny, give me one. I want to fight. And I was like, I don't want to. I knew him from college. I'm like, I'm not like, it's the last game of the season, man. I don't want to do this. So first shift, he starts tapping my pads and embarrassing me a little bit. And I was like, fine, like, let's fight. And he caught me with the left right on the shoulder, and he knocked me off balance. And I was like, oh, boy. And then he tagged me with one when I was trying to regrip, and uh, I just went down. So I jumped up. I was smiling. I was like, "Good one, man!" <laughs> and then it just sucked. It was the last. I had a good season. I had done well, and then you, you get beat up your last game of the year. It's like that's my final impression in Buffalo. So, and were you guys and, home for that? I was pissed. What's that? You guys were home for that, correct? We were at home. Oh. Last game of the year. You know what are you gonna do? Hats off to him. It was his only game in the NHL, and he beat me up. So good, good for him. You know? <laughs> That's a great story. 2015, 2016. We're gonna talk about your big moment when you were the greatest hockey player of all time this year. The whole, the whole road was enjoying the moment. You were voted in the All Star Game. Fans were the ultimate trolls this season. Take us back to that time. Relive the whole weekend, and what was that moment like being an NHL All Star? You know, it was. Uh, gosh, we, you could fill a whole hour and a half with this but it was, it was interesting obviously the beginning was that I was made out to be a clown and a joke and it was just really all about making an ass of me and the league and this whole voting in thing by the two blog guys up in Canada the fuck daddy guy but then I think once it gained a little steam I think tough guys started to embrace it a little bit I got, I got um, a lot of guys who reached out to me past and present players who would just say, you know what, you know, this is a good thing, go out there and do it. Tony Twist, Kelly Chase, Stu Grimson's, Rob Ray, Ty Domi's, all of these guys reached out and just kind of encouraged me to go and say, you know what, like, this is a time for the tough guys to really go and shine a little bit. So that, that really solidified my idea about going because I was on the fence a little bit, but it also put some pressure on me because if I go and make a fool of myself, I'm just pretty much solidifying Gary Bettman's idea that tough guys are a joke and we can't play and they need to get rid of them. So I put a lot of pressure on myself to go and do well and not make an ass of myself. And I feel like going into that weekend, all eyes were on me, obviously. It was me and Yogs. Um, it was his last All-Star game. I think he was retiring at the end of the year. So we were the ones getting most of the attention. And it, it worked out well. You know, I, I went there. We played well. It was good three-on-three hockey. I think every team wanted to win. It was a fast-paced game. It was the first year they had done it. So I think... Everybody was giving her. I mean, everybody wanted to win. So it was a blessing. You know, when I look back, I'm like, gosh, I can't believe that happened that way with all the eyes on us and stuff. And it really, it was great, man. It honestly was great. I, I, I would not change anything. I think the only thing I would change the talent thing, whatever it's called again, the skills competition, I was in the hardest shot. For whatever reason, I thought a stiffer flex stick would be better for me. So I got them to make me up a 140 flex. Because I usually use a 120, and it just, I was so nervous, it just didn't work out. I only managed to get like 92, 93 miles an hour, where I think I usually rip it around 99 to 100. So, so you, you would have had a chance, but you were just thinking that go a little stiffer. Yeah, because, you know, the stiffer flex, you get more torque, this and that. But I was so nervous, my hands were shaking before that. 
I'm surprised I even got to 92 or 93, whatever I got. But it was, uh, other than that, that weekend was just, it was super cool. So now, now was that weekend just kind of like get together at the rink? Uh, I don't remember exactly where that one was hosted at. Or, you know, did you guys all get together, and, you know, like at the bar or hang out? Or was it just okay, kind of... That was in Nashville. That was in Nashville. So it was, um, it was great. So like, we went out, we, we tore it up. I was, you know, Babs, we're, we're good friends to this day. Joe Pavelski, Dustin Bufflin, we're good friends. So we went out, and Buff, you know, he sticks out wherever he goes. And I, I stick out pretty much wherever I go. So we went out one night, and um, we did not have to even reach for our wallets. There was drinks flying at me left and right. Shots were coming in from the rafters. It was we, we tore it up pretty good. Um, so much so that the next day at the rink, we were like getting IVs and stuff. It, it was it was a fun time, man. Like we definitely took advantage of it. Oh yeah, and being there in Nashville, I mean, on Broadway, there literally the rink is on Broadway. Like if you've never been, it's it's one of the best cities to go to. The food, the atmosphere, the environment, the live music. It's it's a pretty neat city. What is it? Every other door down there is pretty much another bar. But yeah, and then if you go down the Broadway, there's the river there. Like it's just such a cool scene. Oh, yeah, and then you, the music that they play, it, you wouldn't be surprised. And I, I'm a kind of a good, I like a good country song. And they, like, the superstars will go and play at these bars. Like, you, you can get Jason Aldean and Morgan Wallace, and all these, like, superstars will just go and play a random night. So don't be surprised if you're there on a Tuesday and you get to see, like, somebody huge just in a random bar. It's a pretty cool spot. Yeah, we've been, I've been to Nashville once, but obviously I wasn't old enough to drink, so I got, definitely got to go back there. It's worth it. I definitely, it's better than, like, New York or L.A. or Vegas or anything. I would take Nashville over those cities, hands down. You and Patrick Crane dropping the gloves in the All-Star game had to be definitely one of the funniest moment, moments in hockey history. What's your relationship with Kaner? I know you guys uh, used to be teammates. Yeah, no, me and Patty, we're, we're still friends. You know, we talk every once in a while. He's came on my show, and I see him in Chicago whenever I'm there. He's just a good guy, you know. He, he's he's a superstar. He's a Hall of Famer, first ballot. He's done everything. He's won multiple Stanley Cups. He's been to the Olympics, you know. The guy's done everything. So the All-Star game, I put him on his wallet. I told him I was going to hit him if he tried to dangle me, and I did. And um, he came after me after he buried. So it was kind of the perfect scenario. And I watched that play. He won the fight. If, if you go and grade the, grade the fight, I didn't throw one punch, I think. But, uh, yeah, you know, what do you do? It was for fun. It was uh, it was a showcase, and I think the fans liked it. Me and Patty were just having some fun. Yeah, and having fun is all that matters in the sport, no matter if it's competitive or kids. It doesn't matter. Yeah, right? It's just, That's where Batman really dropped the ball. I think he tried to... He, he just took it too serious. And it's like, come on, man. Like, Let's just go and have fun, and, and the fans will love it, and everybody will enjoy it. And he just tried to control it too much. He's just such a wiener, that guy. Yeah, I, I have my own opinions on Batman too, that uh, I, don't, I don't really let him go that much because I'm not a fan of multiple things, especially... Today's, uh, I don't know what your opinion is on it, but I feel like guys are underpaid. Oh, yeah. And I feel like uh, the $1 million like salary cap increase is just kind of a laughing stock. And then you have, you know, Tampa last year and Vegas this year putting guys on long-term IR just to bring back superstars. Like, that's a joke. Well, it's a tricky situation because the thing with Tampa with Kucherov, how do you how do you get rid of that? Do you call them a liar and say you can't put on guys on LCIR? 
Because then if you do that, then you totally screw other teams that actually do have guys on LTIR. Yeah. Montreal would be ruined. Yeah, they would. It's such a slippery slope. Yeah, Bevin, he's he's a terrible person. Don't get me wrong, but I I think his hands are tied. Like, the Vegas thing, that's just a bad GM. McCrimmon's a bad GM. Yeah, like... You can't wait till... They're going to have a heck of an offseason. They're going to need to do something. (laughs) I mean... They're in a well, bad spot. Doing the math, they have eighty-three million dollars. The cap's going to be eighty-two-five next year. They have guys, 16, 18 guys signed already over eighty-three million dollars. That's so insane. They, they, I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> it, it's going to be a um, acrobat for their accountant. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> well, we'll see what he can do, right? Um, it's going to be terrible. Now, I did want to ask you, you know, you had 286 games played in the NHL. Um, what was your favorite moment in the NHL? Like, obviously, all-star game excluded, but what was, like, your personal favorite time and memory in the NHL? I think it was my first fight um, in Minnesota. You know, it was versus George Barrows. I didn't know what to expect. And I, and, I, and I caught him a good one, and he went down, and the fans loved it. We were down 3 to nothing, and we ended up coming back and winning that game 4-3, to three, and I think I was named second star of the game. It just kind of was a neat moment for me to plant my flag almost in yeah. the NHL. Like, I'm here. I just beat up one of the top guys in the NHL, and we you know, came back and won, and here I am. And it was, it was a big big kind of turning point for me in my career well yeah especially you know first nhl fight you go out there like you said you don't know what to expect and then you know you drop them and you know your team gets that momentum and coincidentally they come up and put up four unanswered like that had to have you feeling pretty good oh yeah absolutely and then to have the you know the coaches and the players in that room be like they, they did they made it a point to come up to me after the game like you know you were the reason we won that game even That's... though i only played probably eight nine minutes i didn't score any points but to get second star to have the players kind of have that reaction it just it went a long way for me all right john i have uh, i actually have a interesting question so um from the time you played the, it was obviously different hockey's different so what do you think about like the new game the new era style like as in like this trevor zegerses and all this fancy shit like what do you what's your opinion i want a veteran's uh, input on this you know i don't mind it i think it's exciting i think there, I think we'll have kind of an equaling out point. Fighting has been up the last two years, so I like to see that. I think the players are pushing back a little bit on Batman saying no fighting. There's always going to be evolution. There's always going to be new moves. I, like when Bobby Orr crossed the red line with the puck and went coast to coast, people were like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like Defensemen don't do that. That's not what we do here in the NHL. So there's always going to be new moves. I don't see that Zegras moves happening that often when I played. I think if someone tried that in my era... And I said to myself, I think I would break his arm if he tried to do it again. Like, you do it once, that's fine, that's all good. But if you try to do it again on me, I'm going to break your arm and I'm going to take a five-game suspension. I don't I don't see that mentality in the game anymore. I think it's changed. I think kids like that skill game. They like the dangles. They like to, you know, get the gif or the meme or the this and that. They try to do cool moves whenever they get on the ice. And times change. I don't mind it. I think the game's in a good spot. I just, uh, I just hope Benton doesn't ruin anymore. I think they need to get teams out of Arizona get another team in Canada up north, really fix that market, and just leave it alone. Hockey's great. The playoffs are exciting. The games last night were great. I watched all of them, and it was just, even though there was three blowouts, I loved watching all the games. It was super entertaining. Now, now speaking of Arizona, you mentioned them real quick. Um, how do you feel about them playing in like a four or 5,000-seat arena? It's, it's a joke. 
It's an absolute joke to the NHL. We are a professional hockey team. And you're going into a college arena, and you're playing second fiddle to the Arizona State Sun Devils. And what's going to be even worse is they will not be able to fill that rink. There yeah. dozens and dozens of games this year in Arizona where they couldn't. They probably had 800 to 1,000 people there. And you don't get the optics because it's an NHL rink. And you're like, well, there's probably people in the upper bowl. Wait when there's no upper bowl and there's 5,000 seats and there's still empty seats everywhere. Then you're going to really look bad. And it's going to be like, what is the NHL doing? The sponsors are going to look at that. They're going to say, what are we doing here? This, this league can't even fill up a 5,000-seat arena. We're going to be like the WNBA. It's going to be terrible. Not that the WNBA is bad, but we're the NHL. This is the NHL. It's crazy that there's a team that's going to be playing in a 5,000-seat arena. It's brutal. And the, it's like you, a bad look. And like you said, like they couldn't even sell out. Like I mean, we're we're from Erie, Pennsylvania, and we had McDavid here for juniors. And, I mean, even he could sell out a 6,500-seat arena, and he did it night in and night out at 16 years old. What's going to happen when it's January there and Arizona's in last place and in come the New Jersey Devils? Who's going to go watch that game? Nobody is going to watch that game. And it's just going to, yes, you know, you'll sell out when Crosby comes to down in Ovechkin and McDavid. You'll get the fans. Like, I played in Arizona, but we had those guys come in. It was all Oilers fans. So we would get 20,000 people, 17,000 would be Oilers fans because they would burn down and watch the game. No one's going to watch when the Ottawa Senators come down or the Devils comes down. It's it's going to be brutal, you guys. You bet. Hey man, I don't appreciate you talking shit on the Devils. Dom's a big Dom's flying to Arizona for the Devils. Yeah, I'll fly to Arizona. Yeah, you'll get a great deal. You'll get a front row. <laughs> what are they called? The What's their college team? The Sun Sun Devils. Yeah, I'm gonna be a Sun Devils fan. Let's go. <laughs> That's wild. Um, yeah, but it's just it's so different now. How the like like we talked about the games changed and like you said. You know, try a move once or twice, that's okay. But some of these vets got to be getting pissed off at Zegers. I mean, I think he has four or five attempts this season. Yeah, I, I think the older guys maybe are, are a little bit ruffled. Even the, like, I feel bad for the goalies because that move is indefensible. Like, what, how do you save that? I, I don't understand it. So, I don't know. I don't know what you can do. You know what's exciting? I think the move gets old. It already has lost its luster. I, I think... Someone's going to break his arm. That's what I think. There's going to be an old-school defenseman who's just going to be sick of it, like a Zach Bogosian, and he's just going to break his arm, and then that'll be the end of that. And then Bogosian will get 10 games, and everybody will be happy because that move's gone. Because, yeah, it does take away from the game a little bit. It's not, you know, a a core, you know, just fundamentally sound move. It's It's a flashy one, but as long as he's not trying it every game, I don't mind it if it's there. Try it if not, just move on. I think people are making a bigger deal out of it just because of what that Tyson Nash said when he did it and there was a big scrum and this and that. It's like whatever. It's hockey. People try stuff all the time. Yeah. See, in my opinion, I don't see I don't see it ever going away. I just see like more moves getting created and it getting only worse. That's what I think is going to happen. You got a guy going down the ice like a Robbie Shrimp in the skills competition yep. just like lacrossing it. Good luck. You'll get absolutely buried if you try that in the middle of the ice. I, maybe... I don't know. We'll see. I, I think the players will adjust, you know, as time goes on. But Zegers is good, man. He's <laughs> fun to watch. No, uh, he, he is fun to watch. Between him and um, uh, Terry out there, man, uh, those two are just 
fun to watch, like you said. Yeah, they all have a good team in a few years. They were good this year. They just flamed out at the end of the year, but they were they were a good team. Um, uh, John, go ahead and talk a little bit. I think we're about done with our questions, Dom. Do you have anything else? No. So, yeah, tell everybody about your podcast. I know our names are similar. Are we going to have to fight for the crown? Uh, drop the gloves? I think I already have it, fellas. But <laughs> if you want, we, we can go for it. I'm just kidding. Well, I'm dropping the gloves. Um, we do ours three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You can get them wherever uh, you find podcasts. We're kind of paired up with HockeyFights.com now, so we got a nice little fighting theme going on there. And we got to keep up with you guys. What can we say? Yeah, I don't think so, man. Like, the funny thing is, we were we had the we had the business already. We didn't even think about doing the podcast. It was like 2018 is when we like started up the business, and then. Yep. We saw yours pop up just randomly. We're like, "What the hell?" Like, dropping the gloves. Like, we were like, "We're like nervous." We're yeah. like, "We're like, you know." At that point, we're seventeen-year-old kids. We're like, "Well, shit, can we use the name or can we not?" Like, is this gonna be like a big legal thing? And I don't know if it is. You could probably sue my pants off. I have no idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you could probably sue our pants off, John. Because <laughs> what you started it in two thousand seventeen, right? I have no idea. No idea. <laughs> I don't know either, but yeah, I, we saw that at first. We we're like, oh shit, here we go. Because we were There's just room young. room for both of us, fellas. There's room for both of us. Oh yeah. And like, it's only improvement from here from both of us. So it's all That's you can, right. all you can do. All right, John. Well, I just want to thank you for, you know, taking the time out of your busy schedule and hopping on the pod. No problem, you guys. Thanks for having me. Keep doing what you're doing. You're hey, killing it. Hey, John, any last uh, message to our Drop the Gloves fans? Um, check out my podcast. Um, and no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thank you, John. Alright, moving on to the OHL. Malcolm Spence is an Erie Otter baby. Let's go. Six foot, 175 pounds. He had 50 goals, 50 assists, 100 points in 56 games played for the Mississauga Sens. Logan? He's, he's going to be huge. Uh, he's a big body, and I just want to give it to Erie for this draft. Uh, they went out and got big bodies, so I'm impressed with that. But as for Spence, um, I wanted him over Misa anyways. Um, I think he's more, uh, he's a well-rounded player in my opinion. Uh, you know, when you put up 50 goals, 50 assists, last player to do that in Otter's history would have been to bring it. Um, but again, I think his six foot, I, he's actually listed at six one on the roster, um, 180 pounds and he's only 16. So it wouldn't surprise me if he touches six, two, six, three, 200 pounds, he's going to be a solid player and just his ability to read and see the game and slow it down, but also speed it up, it, it just blows my mind. He also has one of the best shots I've saw from a 15-year-old at the time. Uh, his shot is really ridiculous and is released. So that's going to be huge for the audience. We never really had like a, a scorer since to break it, like a sniper like that. So uh, it's going to be fun, and he's going to be a great player for this Otters team. And, yeah, so I was tweeting at Dave Brown and the Otters to get Malcolm Spence for like two weeks, and I'm glad they listened to me. And that video, I don't know who made it, but that video was sick. So uh, it's going to be a big Malcolm Spence here, and I'm going to get his jersey. So it's going to be fun. Well, let's let's hope i think he's gonna be able to step in and uh, i think he's gonna definitely be a contributor in his rookie season do you think that uh we're gonna get malcolm spence on the podcast logan i mean it would be awesome i would like to get everybody out here you know um 
we used to do it. We're now we're actually a sponsor with them, so I don't see why we couldn't be able to do that. Anybody from the Otters, if you can allow us to get Malcolm Spence on the pod, we'd love it. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely shoot out a text to him too and see what can happen. Second round, we pick up a goalie. So this one surprised me a little bit, honestly. Uh, Jacob Gibbons. He's uh, round two, pick 38. So I'm not going to like pull up stats or anything from these guys, but I can tell you for a little bit of what I know about him. So he's obviously a good goaltender if he's dropping the second round. But the thing with that is this, in like a Campbell, like, what what's the situation with Campbell? Now? Campbell's out. Like, the people are saying, oh, a 15 or 16 year old's not going to step up to be a <laughs> well, backup. just did. Yeah, Lawn stepped in as a starter at 16. He was 17, but still, okay. it's the same thing, guys. I saw people on Facebook say that. Yes, it's it's not like known, but he's gonna be a third. He's gonna be a third goalie. We're probably gonna get like a back. We also for, have a go- the goalie we signed yeah, last year. Nichols, that, I think. Yeah, like he could step in and he could come in and he could be the backup until this guy's serviceable. Yeah, so I think Campbell's gone. We gotta get uh, assets for him. We're not giving up the door. I'm just. I saw that on Facebook. Sador's not going anywhere. Cohen's not going nowhere. Cohen's not going anywhere. And how can you let Morton go when he wore an A? Yeah, Morton's probably going to be a C or an A again. So he's not going anywhere. So you guys got to like, you guys got to put your minds to like what's actually going to happen and can't be fan favorites right now. Yeah, I mean, I hate to see Campbell go. Hometown boy. Same. Grew up an hour down the road, you know, and he's a solid goaltender. But at the end of the day, it's junior hockey and you got to do what you got to do. And we only picked up one goalie in this whole entire draft. So. If that's not a sign, guys. Like, we don't... How about Logan Sawyer? Or Sawyer. Sawyer. Yeah, Logan Sawyer, left wing. Uh, he's actually... Also a big body. He's actually solid. Uh, I saw, like, a few highlights of him at the OHL Cup, and he looks like he could be a second-line guy next year. Not, like, right off the bat, next, like but now, two years from now. And he's going to probably be a good addition to, like, our our cup run team and it's coming guys next year i our predictions like we're gonna make playoffs but i think we could be a contender in two years it's good lining up i i think uh definitely second round next year and uh with the team we have depending you know de- barring any moves that we make i definitely see a championship coming back to erie in 2024 yeah that would be sick erie needs it and then the next couple picks um nicholas Homigo, uh, Ty Henry, and Landon Watson, all above six foot, Logan. That's huge for this defense in the future. Uh, their Erie's uh, scouting department was saying, like, we're too small. We're sick of, pretty much, we're sick of being small. Yeah. So they go out, get all these big bodies for the team. And, like, this is a good draft by Erie. I'm very, very impressed. We had uh, 15, or not 15 picks, but I believe it was the number was like 16 picks total. And, like, that's a lot of for the future. The, the one that really stands out to me here, too, in the sixth round would be Landon Watson coming out of Cleveland. Uh, spent time in the Barons organization. Great organization there out in AAA. Uh, they, they're head-to-head with the Penn's Elite, you know, like cons- consistently. So, you know, I see him being a very good fit here in uh, Erie, and it's another hometown boy. Right defenseman as well. That's also huge. They don't, we don't come by those a lot. No, no, we definitely need help on the defensive side, and, you know, I think he's kind coming in at 6-2 so I think that's going to be a huge uh, pickup and uh, be able to play the right side I'm pretty sure he's a right-handed shot as well correct I believe so I'll have to double check uh, correct us if we're wrong but I believe he's a right-handed shot and those are very very rare to pick up especially in the OHL but we're not going to go over any of the other picks because uh, they're pretty self-explanatory we got a couple centers couple right wings lefty lefty so we definitely uh, stacked up under the defense again and we got a couple uh, studs, so uh, Erie has a really good future. And next year is going to be fun, Erie fans. 
so get your season tickets now. The the one guy I, I have to talk about because you can't ignore him, and I, he may not even crack the lineup, but I have to talk about Mackenzie Curd. Picked uh, 247 overall in the 13th round. He's a left defenseman. The, he's 15 years old. He's 6'6", 205. What? Yeah. I, I didn't even see his height. Yeah, it's unreal. He's 6'6", 205. Um, Dom, do you think as a 13th rounder he cracks the lineup? I would say in like... Um, not next year, but in two years, I think he could. He's pretty good at 13th round pick, so um, I think Erie has a good chance of uh, cracking him in the lineup, and if he gets good and develops his skills, then he'll be all right. And now the one thing also, uh, Dom, we wrapping up the draft here? Yeah, we'll wrap up we, the draft. We got the U18 draft coming up. Um, tonight, uh, actually. Is it tonight? Yeah, okay, Thursday, so, Thursday, tonight. So. so, you know, tomorrow when you guys are listening to this podcast, obviously, uh, you guys will know who we select. But, uh, you know, that's also another big pick. Yeah, Daniel D'Amato. So he was drafted in the U18 draft. And just because it's not a normal draft, you can't, like, diss on him now or diss on the draft now. He's an AHL player. Like, that's crazy. And I, I honestly didn't think that players were going to pull out of that draft either. No, and you know, you never do, um, but that's why they have it, because some talent goes unnoticed at 15. A guy could grow six inches and gain 30 pounds from 16 to 18. So, you know, that's why they have the U18 draft, and just where you're drafted, it doesn't mean anything. It's obviously, yeah, you know, you spend time on the higher picks and and you scout and you put all this work in, so I'm not saying that's useless by any means, but I just want to talk about how Alex DeBrinkett was undrafted into the OHL. Yeah. Just, be, just your draft stock doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean everything. You know, Dylan Strom was drafted second overall, and he didn't go on to score 100 points. It, it, just where you're drafted, to me, doesn't mean a whole bunch. Yeah, me, I agree, and uh, undrafted players are just as good as drafted players. So uh, it's all about your skill, all about your heart and mindset. But uh, hot take here. I think Erie's going to pick a goalie in this U18 draft. Hmm. I don't know. I have a gut feeling. And uh, if not, probably a defenseman. But I have. Uh, I think Erie's going to take a goalie and prove us wrong again that Campbell's gone. Yeah, I, I hate to see it, but he's gone. There's no other way. All right. Uh, moving on to Michael Misa. He gets drafted to the Spirit first overall. We will be seeing a lot of Misa versus Spence for the next three, four years. Both are eligible for the 2025 NHL draft. Who do you think will have a better career, Logan? Well, you know, it depends. Does Misa from the season show up or does Misa from the OHL Cup show up? Um, both of them are so strong. You know, they played together. They, they have the same speed. They pretty much have the same capabilities, just uh, – you know, Spence got him on the height side of things. Um, they're both going to be really good, and uh, I'd be curious to see which one is more productive. Me too, and I want to see them. Like, I actually want to see them at home next year. That's going to be a good game. I want to see Michael Misa in person. We've been talking about this kid for a little bit now, and by that time it's probably going to be like almost a year we're talking about both of them. So um, it's going to be – a battle and maybe both teams make playoffs and i'll be one of, i'll be one of the first guys standing there waiting for his autograph i mean oh yeah he's hell a yeah. phenomenal talent um i'm just happy the otters didn't go that route and obviously we didn't have the chance to go that route but i was hoping we wouldn't go that route for the simple fact of i didn't know enough about him and just because i didn't know enough about him doesn't mean anything yeah i i did want him i did want him for like the first couple days but spence is a great pickup no no so i did want him for a couple days and then Logan like this like like told me to read about him and shit. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'll do it. But I still want Misa. And then my mind changed right off the bat. Right off the bat, like I kept watching this dude. Started to fall in love with this dude, like. And 
seeing his like highlights, um, I was like, okay. I want Spence. I hopped on the Spence train. An eerie listen to me, so. All right, so sorry to interrupt you, Dom. Not that this matters because you guys will be listening tomorrow, but uh, Deming is going to start in net, and he's going to be backed up by AHL goalie Alex DeHorio. DeHorio who? (laughs) Yeah, who? Uh, Oh, my God. I had to throw that in there. But, yeah, both are going to be great players in the next three, four years, and the OHL should be excited with the talent pool. But moving on, so London and Kitchener, the drama. The drama. Before even talking about Game 7. So the drama between that series was crazy because uh, London got away with – Goalie interference or something like that or something in the end. No, no. Uh, or goal. Yeah, so it wasn't London. Um, Kitchener had a goal reviewed uh, for a distinct kicking motion. Yes. It, it touched the stick. Um, you know, Kitchener was irate. They even went to social media and they spoke out on social media, which, which the OHL comes out in a statement and the OHL says, yeah, we screwed up, but you're fine. <laughs> yeah, like, and that could have ruined a series, but thankfully, thankfully, sweet know, Caroline, London, London sucks. London sucks. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I love the, I love the I love the city a little bit, but I don't like your hockey team. And, and Dale Hunter's Dale Hunter's a scumbag. Yeah. Like we'd we'd love to get him on the podcast too, Dale. If you're out there, let's go. Speaking of Dale, I'll never forget this. Um, he accused us in the playoffs back in uh, 16 uh, in Game 7 in that, that series that went to 7. He accused uh, me and Steve of throwing um, our, our grindings from the skate sharpener on their side of the bench. Like he thought we were trying to take away their edges. Uh, you know, just a complete scumbag. And, you know, I'm glad to see he made a first-round exit. There's nothing better. Yeah, and uh, you could see the reaction on the Kitchener players' faces. Like they were not expecting to win. And they just fucking, at London too, they just shut that whole crowd down. And, um, yeah, London's been very quiet. And I want to talk about real quick, uh, I just love I love the social media with the teams now. That's one thing I love about the new game. Did you see what the Otters posted this morning? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Good morning to everyone, especially the Kitchener Rangers. Like, I love it. It just keeps everybody, you know, you're not at the rink, but they still keep you involved. I love it. Yeah, and you got to. You got to have fun in the new era game, and it's just how it is. Well, let's talk about Hamilton and Peterborough. Um, obviously, Hamilton swept that series. Dom, what do you think? Yeah, we predicted it. We didn't. We, we said we weren't going to talk about that series. Uh, former Eriard Emerson Sproul. I hope he gets a contract. He's a good player, and he deserves it. But like I said, we predicted that. Not going to talk on it anymore. Um, series number two, North Bay and Ottawa. North Bay wins 4-0. A little shocking, but North Bay is good. We had North Bay in five or six, so... so not a surprise. Um, Kingston winning the series 4-2 uh, in 6, so it's reasonable. Uh, I believe I had Kingston. So I, I think I had Oshawa, to be honest with you. But either way, uh, good series. There was uh, no blowouts. Speaking of the series, did you see that uh, Ty Tolio goal? With thirty or with zero point two seconds left, to tie it. Yeah, I did. That was that unreal. was crazy, and that atmosphere is ridiculous. But Kingston wins. Shane Wright moves on. Series number four, Mississauga and Barry. Mississauga wins four two. Um, I don't remember my predictions, but uh, yeah, Mississauga. I'm wins sure 4-2. we probably went that way. Uh, Windsor and Sarnia. Windsor wins four two. That's surprising. That, yeah, we. I think we had Windsor and five on that one. Windsor and four and five is what I had, I, yeah, but I think it was five. To see that go six, though, I mean, to see Sarnia get two on them, that's big. And, you know, Sarnia, we'll, we'll be seeing a lot of you guys next season. Uh, we already talked on it. Uh, Sweet Caroline, London's gone. So uh, Kitchener wins 4-3. Uh, Flint, no and sound. Flint wins in seven games. 
That that's kind of shocker. I think I had Owen Sound winning that just because I didn't think Flint was the team. You know, their points obviously were up there. We've talked about this time and time again. I didn't think they were that good. Neither did I. And I don't know. What if Erie was in that series, man? That's all. Erie's in that series. If Owen Sound's pushing seven, I think we could. But Sault Ste. Marie and Guelph, Sault Ste. Marie wins in five. It's a little shocking. And Guelph's a great team, and I, I just expected that series to go to six or seven, but Sault Ste. Think, Marie moves on. I think travel plays a little bit into the Sioux series. I mean, they're they're I think they're 11 hours from us, you know, and they're used to traveling every weekend to play. And then, you know, the team's going up to see them. They only do it once a year, so. Yeah, Sioux is crazy. Like, that, that flight, drive. that drive, whatever – Teams take that's it's a bus crazy. Ride. That's a bus I ride. I don't know, man. I I don't know. I went there. I think I've been there once, or maybe not. Probably not. But that's a crazy atmosphere, though. And I'd like to get up there. Dom, I I would really like to get up there for a playoff game this year. And oh no 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 no, no not the Sioux. No, oh no, just oh, okay. Ontario. Oh, okay. No no. So not to Hell nah. I was about I, to say We gotta plan that one You got the gas money No <laughs> I'd go up to Sioux For like a back to back Erie playoff game for sure Like make a vacation Thing out of it But I wouldn't Go now No no But I would like to get up To Ontario for one Thank you guys so much For watching episode 6 Of the Drop the Gloves podcast Featuring John Scott Make sure to get your apparel at Dropthegloveshockey.com uh, Check it out Follow us on Facebook Twitter Instagram I'm surprised we don't have A Snapchat yet Yeah but, uh, No I actually uh, TikTok is coming Alright So I got I got the TikTok made And then We'll probably like Make a Snapchat For like Closer to hockey season Or when we have more events So like We can post uh, A lot of stuff And we can do Some Snapchat orders Something Yeah I, I, You know we, we go out all the time To you know Different games I, I know we talked You know We want to get out To Columbus and Detroit And couple other games next season but yeah just be and follow us it's not boring content it's all fun we have we're having a we're having a fucking blast yeah doing we it, are so we are and uh we have john scott in this interview um thank you so much john make sure you go check out his podcast it's actually called dropping the gloves so uh you'll hear it in the interview you already heard it but <laughs> you'll hear uh, his podcast and Go give him some support. He's got some great stories. Uh, the All-Star Weekend in Nashville. Like, you guys have already heard all that. But uh, if there's anything you guys find hilarious, there's quite a bit I did, uh, just shoot us a message on Facebook. We just like being engaged and hearing other people's opinions. Yeah, and also if there's, like, a guest that you want us to hopefully bring on, make sure you tag them. Tell, tell them to come on this podcast or we will um, contact or, them. Yeah, so. or tell us and we contact them. Dom's been phenomenal with that. He's gotten some big names so Luke Gazdick John Scott I believe next week uh, I think we have it should be Daniel D'Amato former ERR's captain but if not we'll get somebody for you guys and just shoot us who you want uh, on the podcast alright guys thanks for listening and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon keep dropping the gloves